Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of JK Productions. I'm sorry if the audio sounds a little bit differently today. Uh, my MacBook has been absolutely terrible. Yesterday, it didn't want to turn on. Then it didn't want to charge properly. And then today, I tried recording this earlier. However, the mic isn't working. Still isn't working. Gotta love that. So uh, using my gaming headphones now. So apologies if you're not getting the professional quality you guys are used to from me. Uh, today, we are welcoming back Donovan to, uh, Donovan on the show. As uh, I do believe we have a couple things we need to discuss that's pretty topical revolving the Dolphins. Uh, sir, uh, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me back. Uh, second off, uh, your MacBook is as uh, stupid as Steve Ross. Hey, that's the joke I came up with. Uh, no, it's not. You actually <laughs> took my joke. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't care. The people saw it first from me. Therefore, it's, it's you know, it's one of those things, you know, if you say it at the if you say a, a joke in class and then somebody else says it louder, they're the one who gets credit for it. So yeah. screw you, my joke. That been uh, quite a bit. <laughs> I, I imagine. And uh, ultimately, you you were all, you were the one that said it first. However, I posted it, so screw you. Um, yeah, so today we have a, a little bit of a coaching carousel or the start of it. We haven't had any signings yet. However, we've had a, a few head coaches fired. Uh, one notable head coach, of course, that being Brian Flores now here in Miami, was relieved of his duty yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure when this is going to get uploaded, so let's just call it Monday. Yeah, he was relieved of his duty as the Miami Dolphins head football coach, as well as a few other coaches around the league that we'll get to. And we'll maybe give some prediction that, predictions as to who goes where with that. Speaking of predictions, we're going to jump into the wild card weekend that starts, of course, on Saturday with the Las Vegas Raiders going out to the Cincinnati Bengals, going out to Cincinnati to play the Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll just break that all down for you. Uh, speaking of Las Vegas, what a game that was that last game of the season, Vegas and Chargers. Yeah. Maybe we'll just mention talk about that briefly because that was the best game of the year. And, uh, you know, we'll give a little national championship talk. I watched it. I watched it more than Donovan did, apparently, as we were talking about before the uh, this this recording started. Even me being at work, I put a little more time in. You know, got to get that content up. Uh, to but no, it was a great game. Uh, Georgia Georgia came out with a victory. However, Alabama was missing their two best wide receivers and was some had some other injuries around the team. So, you know, maybe not necessarily as uh, shocking as it seems that Georgia pulled off the upset there. But first things first, uh, Donovan, we have a. In case you didn't hear, in case your head's been buried in the sand, the Miami Dolphins have fired head coach Brian Flores. Uh, before we get into that, I'll just go over all the coaches I've been fired throughout the season. And if I forget any, please, you can add that now at the end. Uh, first, first one was, of course, the Las Vegas Raiders let, letting go of John Gruden earlier on the season uh, due to the controversy that went around it. Then we saw the Jaguars fire their head coach, Urban Meyer, uh, after less than a single season. And then it came down to, then it came down to that you know that infamous Black Monday where all the coaches are either given the good news or well some some thought they were clear, but uh, <laughs> one uh, one got a little late boot being the Giants head coach, uh, what's Joe Judge Joe, Joe Judge Zach Taylor yeah and also no, they fired no. their GM. Uh, the Bears finally, finally let go of Matt Nagy and also Ryan Pace, the GM, was let go with that. The Vikings let go of their head coach, Mike Zimmer, as well as well as their GM there. Dolphins, of course, fired Flores. Broncos 
you know, that was one of the, that was one of the head coaching positions that could have gone either way, whether they let him go or fired him, but Vic Fangio ultimately lost his job. So those are the, those are the coaching uh, changes that have happened so far. And definitely the most shocking move is the Miami Dolphins letting go of Brian Flores after three seasons, which we saw Brian Flores absolutely transform the Dolphins, taking them from a perennial loser to that first year. We lost those first seven or eight games, of course. However, finished the, game, finished the year strong, beating New England the last game of the season, knocking them down to the two seed, which ultimately led to them losing the first round. And then last year, being on the absolute border of making the playoffs, you, a win in your end situation. Of course, we did fall to the Buffalo Bills, but... We saw a 10-win season, and then this year, you know, things didn't go our way at first. We were we started the year 1-7, then put together a just absolutely fantastic seven-game winning streak that saw us at the seventh seed at one point, whereas one point, we're, you know, we, we just accepted the season was over. Next thing you know, we're in the playoffs, and next thing you know, we're back out of again and eliminated in the same week when we just got absolutely thumped by the Tennessee Titans. But it's always beautiful to win the last game of your year, especially when it comes against the New England Patriots, and especially when, you know, we didn't know how the game was going to go with Buffalo. It guaranteed that they weren't going to be winning the division that uh, this season, so they are going to have to go on the road to Buffalo. Uh, so but Brian Flores did a, a bunch of great things for this team. So all that being said, Donovan, we got to be a little confused as to why he was let go in the first place. Uh, it... it baffled me when I saw the news uh, and just like what what is Steve Ross even thinking here this is your first back-to-back winning season since 2000 so you're talking about over 20 years of just straight mediocrity we've made the playoffs what like three times since 2000 yes and, and it was in 08 and in 2016 and and Flores, like, yeah, we started uh, his second season. We started uh, like what one, uh, one and three before we turned that into a ten and six season. And then this year we started one and seven. But you can you can arguably put that on uh, on Ross because he won, or even the entire staff because obviously Flores at this point wanted Watson as well. They cleared out the veteran contracts to bring in Watson. Uh, and we had no veterans in there at the beginning of the season. And it's just, it, it was a cluster. Uh, and, you know, started out one and seven. And then he turned, he kept that locker room. He kept their head in it. Like how difficult is it to really like keep a locker room together at one and seven? especially after you just came off a 10 and six season and now you have questions at quarterback, like there's so many rumors going on. It's getting in people's heads, like to have that kind of control in your locker room and your players fight for you that much that you end up on the season with a nine and eight record. You literally won eight out of your last nine games, seven in a row. Like, that is an accomplishment. I don't even care who they face. Like, you could say that, oh, they they didn't beat anybody. Well, you know what? They absolutely thumped the Patriots in that last game. I don't even – like, I was there. They thumped them. And they put it on an exclamation point at the end where they took their own lateral in for a a touchdown. And, you know, it's just – 
it bothers me so much. Like I, I didn't like the Gase firing at first when Gase was fired, but afterwards it came like he, he had lost that locker room. But when you when they fired Flores, you had multiple players come out, especially on defense, just defending Flores. You have Robert Hunt on offense that came and thanked Flores, and he retweeted a tweet that says, I'm sick as fuck. Excuse my language there. That's was the tweet. I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just – it. When you have those kinds of players and Xavier Howard said it's easy to point the finger at someone else for your own mistakes. Um, I obviously there, I think he's talking about Chris Greer because he had issues with Chris Greer in the off season uh, where he requested a trade because him and his agent came up with something that uh, would have been very reasonable to the team, but Chris Greer didn't want to budge. Ultimately, Flores fought for him enough where he was able to, and the fans obviously fought for him enough for him to get his uh, little bonus money. And we still have 75 million cap space uh, this off season. And for, and the whole reasoning behind Ross saying, he says uh, we need better communication and collaboration. Those were his exact words. Well, I think, uh, from all the reports that have been coming out, Flores communicated very well what he wanted with his roster. Very well. And it was more so uh, Greer saying, do what you need to with this roster. Uh, you're, you're not, you're not going to do what you want. And there's also rumors out now that uh, Flores and Tua uh, Tugavailoa got into it, especially after the Tennessee game, where Tua actually dropped the F-bomb on Flores and said, you can't bleep and talk to people like that or treat people like that uh, to Flores. I don't know if it's true. Uh, there's also uh, multiple reports that Flores uh, tried to get uh, Tua uh, tested for PEDs uh, throughout the off season, uh, because of his body transformation. Yeah. That, that, that thing is absolutely bonkers. If that's true. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that we should have fired Brian Flores. However, there is some stuff coming out that at least paints a picture as to why that decision was made in the first place. I, I think we both believe that Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert to be his quarterback. However, that's, if that report is true, that you're going on a witch hunt, witch hunt against your own quarterback to get your own quarterback tested for PEDs, that is absolutely insane. It, you know, barring that, if that story is true, it, it was a very low source that said that was true. However, it was not anything credible by yeah, any means. It was. Uh, so, but if it uh, was, but if it was, but if it a, was, there's yeah. an absolutely outrageous accusation there. However, I would, I would, really love to focus more on just all the things Brian Forrest has done good for this team. A lot of which, like you said, to be able to drag a team back from the points where we were at this season. I mean, just as a Dolphins fan, let alone as a Dolphins player sitting there watching that Jags game, watching that Falcons game, just the utter misery I felt after those two games is just unimaginable, especially the Jaguars game, losing to the worst team in the league who 
Their locker room is, was notably toxic, which is why Urban, Urban Meyer lost his job. He didn't lose his job because they only had two wins. That was the least of the concerns. He just so poorly handled that team. They couldn't stand him that, you know, he, he eventually did lose his job. However, we lost to them over in London while the whole world was watching pretty much. And that was just such a dark place to be. And then the Falcons game, of course, you know, we should have won that game. Just a bunch of costly mistakes. And, you know, I will say the coaching staff did get out coached both of those two games and could be to blame for those losses there. However, to rally the troops, you're one in seven to get them to fight just on the slim chances that the season is still alive and you can still doing something with it. You pull off a seven game win streak. Yeah, not the best competition, but, you know, you can play who's in front of you. That's it. And to do that, to win seven games in a row is is difficult no matter what the circumstances is. And then to go out and absolutely get battered by the Tennessee Titans, of course, is disheartening. But we saw it again a second time where Flores was able to rally the troops. This time there wasn't anything to play for. This time it was just to go out and win a football game. And you know what? They did it against a playoff team in the New England Patriots. Donovan, you and I were there. You heard and you saw how many Patriots fans were there at that game. It wasn't the traditional home game you think of. And we saw the thing the, the thing I'd like to note most. When Zayvon Howard got that pick six, you could count more players that were on the field than were on the sideline. There was more players that ran off the sideline to celebrate with their teammate than there was on the sideline. And that showed some camaraderie, some love that was in this locker room. So for that to be there, you have to believe that the situation was at least manageable, that they could have made something work. If the team if the team doesn't care about whether they win or lose, if the team doesn't care about their fellow teammates, then that's a huge problem. And I believe there's been many situations where that started to happen. Uh, Joe Judge uh, has basically forced some of his veteran players into retirement just because they couldn't stand to play for him anymore and the season hadn't even started yet meanwhile this Dolphins team you, you go from the Deshaun Watson rumors then to the one and seven start and then you pull everything together just for it to get snatched and just slapped out of your face uh like it was in that week 18 game to rally the troops to win like you did to never give up and then just the celebrating and joy that was going on, knowing it meant nothing, knowing that in 10 years time, this game is going to be utterly meaningless. The team stuck together and played together. So I have to believe at just the very least from the bottom for the players and the coaches, that was at the very least manageable. Now, I guess the one thing that you could go to talk about is how was the relationship between him and Greer? How is the relationship potentially between him and the owner, uh, Stephen Ross? And Stephen Ross basically said that he had to make a decision, either it's Flores or it's Greer. And I think I can speak for both of us here. If it's between the two, fire Chris Greer. Now, Chris Greer, 100%. Chris Greer had a good draft this year. He had a fantastic draft this year with his first three picks. Absolutely. However, you were gifted three first round picks in that, in that draft where you got Tua, Austin Jackson, Noah Igbenogany. All three were the wrong picks there. That whole that draft as a whole. I mean, how many players are well, that we draft from that year would you actually say were worth our picks? Robert Hunt, maybe. Everybody else, very meh. And then you go out and sign players just to cut them the very next season. Is that is that him? Is that Greer? Is that Flores? Is that Ross? We can't be 100% sure. However, the GM is the one who pulls the plug or doesn't pull the plug at the end of the day. So 
at least some of it has to fall on his plate. So I'm not blaming the head coach who took a pile of hot garbage to have a respectable season that has some people looking at the Miami Dolphins that very first season last year, very minimal talent. Uh, You're going out there with Ryan Fitzpatrick and you switch over to Tua. You had that controversy go on. Still put yourself in a position where you win and you're in. Obviously that didn't happen, but to go 10 and six and then to go nine and eight, 19 wins between two seasons. I have a hard time finding where you could ask for more in that. 100%. I mean, and it's just, you know, Ross has always been, in my opinion, kind of quick to pull a trigger. He, every single uh, uh, coach so far uh, since he's taken over as owner has had three years. Sperano was out after, Sperano was out in his third year. Um, Philbin, he was out after his third game in his fourth year. So he practically had three years. Uh, And then Gase only had three years. I mean, given, we saw what happened to Gase after he left, but when Tannehill was starting with Gase, that team was actually pretty good. Um, and then Flores, I mean, he took a practice squad because mind you, mind you, they had all the players that are stars or whatever that you want to say. Uh, he did not have Xavier Howard on that defense. Byron Jones was not here yet. Ogbo was not here yet. Wilkins uh was a rookie that year and everybody was calling him a bust at that point. I want to laugh in your face now. Um, and, and, you know, like he, he took that defense and he shut down Tom Brady when he was fighting for a bye week in the playoffs. Think about that for a minute. That's how Flores transformed this defense that he was able to get practice. What these players aren't even on in the NFL right now anymore. That's how good he was. Uh, and, you know, he, he's going to get a job somewhere else. It, and I saw someone said this, and I, I kind of said it too in my head. I didn't really actually say it. But when you fire a coach and all of a sudden they become a top candidate in the league for a head coaching position, you fired the wrong guy. And it's, they didn't fire him for anything more then the communication and collaboration issues. Uh, Ross even said that. So it, it just, it baffles me that they couldn't be something that was managed. Uh, and, you know, just how well it, that Flores did. Now we have multiple key pieces on defense and special teams that uh, love Flores. One of the biggest av- uh, people coming out on Twitter after Flores' firing was Nick Needham. And he's an unrestricted free agent. Ogba's an unrestricted free agent. How are we going to be able to convince these guys to come back and pitch to them when pretty much the whole defensive side of the locker room is is, is against this firing? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think the team as a whole is against this hire. You haven't seen, interestingly, some of the some of the things that came out was that the 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 relationship between Tua and Flores was kind of getting low. Some of the points that you made of some of the things that have happened in the locker room this season. And we do know that most likely Herbert was the guy that Flores wanted to draft. So you, you, you yeah. really right now 
we just kind of have to look on and, and move on and try to get some sort of hope as because there are there are some decent candidates out there that if we go get one of those few decent candidates i'm not going to be happy but i'm going to be i'm going to be content with it however no matter what the organization is no matter whether you're talking Publix, you're talking walmart you're talking amazon every single one of those organizations it starts at the top it doesn't start at your manager at your individual stores. It doesn't even go up to your district managers. It stops. It starts with the owners slash CEOs, and Stephen Ross, man, what ha- what positivity has he brought to this team? Like you just said, he's fired coaches after three or four years every single time that he's hired a coach, and every single time, per, I mean, except for Flores, they've been the wrong hires. We saw that one year with Gase where we absolutely had a great time. However, we know Adam Gase isn't a good coach. That's why he's like a quarterback's coach at some high school now because nobody wants to touch him with a 10-yard stick. Ryan Flores is going to go out and immediately get a coaching job. However, the, the, the influence that Steven Ross has on the team, I mean, hey, it's his team. It's his money at the end of the day. However, you have to be smart enough to know I'm not a football go- football guy. Jerry Jones, yeah, he's a football guy. He, Jerry Jones is the one owner that – is allowed to do something like this and also what success has the cowboys had even with uh jerry jones being the general manager as well as the owner they had what they haven't had us they haven't they've made the playoffs what three or four times since we've been alive similar to us as dolphins fans so it doesn't things don't go well with teams where their owner is trying to meddle in the football operations we've seen that even washington with with dan snyder that he sometimes likes to he likes to think of himself as Jerry Jones, and we all see the state of the Washington football team, both the team and the stadium itself, and just internally, the team has been absolutely a mess under the ownership of Dan Snyder. So whenever the owners try to dabble in with the football decisions, and we know that Stephen Ross most likely wanted Sean Watson, and some of the trades that happened, some of the cuts that happened probably were because of the fact that he wanted Sean Watson. He was pressing his finger down saying, hey, clear up some cap space, make something work because I want this guy. And and now, you know, he pushes, pushes the finger down again, gets rid of Flores very quickly, as you said, all given three years. Just absolutely wrong decision. I just would just love for this guy to sit back, relax, let the guys he's paying to do the jobs actually do the jobs. And if you really think about it, Flores only really had two years because that first year, I don't count that first year. They said as soon as they hired Flores that year and promoted Chris Greer to – well, they didn't really promote him, but they fired Tannenbaum and, uh, and Chris Greer had sole control over the draft picks and the salary cap and everything else. And, and they said they are going full rebuild. They got rid of everybody, and they brought in Flores. And they, like I said, they gave him a practice squad. So – I don't even count that as a first year of, of a head coaching gig, uh, especially when he is able to go out and get the five wins with what people were saying uh, the Dolphins should be fined for uh, for putting players in danger trying to lose games. Obviously, they were not because they didn't, and they ended up winning too many games. Uh, and – and so in Flores is two years as a head coach uh, for the Miami Dolphins. He went uh, 19 wins and how many losses? He went 10 and six last year. He has eight losses this year. So he had 14 losses. So 19 and 14. 
with Tua being mediocre at quarterback for most of that time. Uh, and also he's missed he, – he didn't start the first uh, five weeks of his rookie season, and he missed, I think, five or six weeks this season. So – or, yeah, he missed five weeks this season. So he's missed a total of ten weeks. Uh, so you've had technically a backup playing for ten weeks, and he somehow still won 19 games in the last two years. And I, I love Tua. You know how much I love Tua. And it's just it, but right now he's been mediocre. And if if Flores wants an elite quarterback, he says this team is a an elite quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender, then that is what you do. Like I, I just I you know it just baffles me. It it we're two days as of right now, because it's Tuesday night. We're two days after the firing, and it's still just I, – I can't wrap my head around why this happened and what – like, there, there, there to me is absolutely no reason at all. I'm going in a circle here, but there's no reason that he, there was anything that couldn't be reconciled uh, enough or even just working uh, uh, together enough because – the report also was with Tua and uh, Flores that, yeah, they didn't particularly like each other, but they had a good working relationship. And that is all you need. Yeah, you can't, you don't need everybody to be best friends in an organization. Obviously, it's ideal for the coach and the quarterback to be on good terms. Like, I'm, I'm sure, like, you see, you see Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, there, there definitely has a good, good working relationship there. And, you, you know, Obviously, it wasn't ideal. Also, it kind of had to the fact or was due to the fact most likely that Tua wasn't living up to the pick that we took him at. So if you're if you know where the problem is in your team and you know, you know, there's a possibility you could fix it. But also just in front of you, if he just plays better, we could be in the playoffs right now. It's got to be very frustrating as a coach to see that. And, you know, I mean. Like speaking to you, like speaking how you said you're just absolutely baffled. I remember watching the uh, the, the Fox pregame show, and Jay Glazer had the graphic up of coaches that were just guaranteed fired. Then it was like a probably not, and then a 50-50. And Flores was in the fit, or, or Flores was in the probably not. And I was like, probably not. Of course he's not. I can't believe he, it's like it's like disrespectful that he's even on this list in the first place. And then. <laughs> Glazer made the comment: If if Flores actually does lose his job, there's more things going wrong in South Beach than uh, than it appears. And he said that I was like, "Come on, no shot." And then, lo and behold, Brian yep. Flores loses his job, and we're sitting here just absolutely scratching our heads afterwards because, again, I expected Tua to be gone, and that is something that, at the very least, is little less likely now. It seems that yep. the our owner Stephen Ross chose Greer and is kind of choosing Tua as a yeah. as his quarterback at the very least for next year, which is like you were so hell-bent on getting Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is likely going to be available pending his legal issues. Besides the if fact Russell Wilson, besides the fact Russell Wilson is going to be available, you know, God forbid Aaron Rodgers loses a single game in these playoffs and gets knocked out, he might be available. So if you're really left like you're now – this is now when you're deciding to defend Tua? I don't know. If, if we do end up with, with Tua, 
as our quarterback, you know, if we if we do spend this money wisely, if we draft decently, we can put together a playoff team. Can we put together a Super Bowl team, though? I'm not quite sure. However, I would like to, at the very least, dabble into who could be our head coach going forward uh, next Any season. Dabble. Yeah, this sounds a little similar to a certain offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Buffalo Bills named Brian Dable. And for me, he's the number one candidate. However, there's there's other candidates out there, of course. There's Brian Leftwich, although he's probably going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, staying in the state, just going a little bit north. Uh, curious, person, John Leftwich. Harbaugh. John Harbaugh could be coming from college. But again, then you see Stephen Ross make the comment saying he doesn't want to be the one to take John Harbaugh out of Michigan. Like, we don't want you to be the one to take Brian Flores out of Miami. So (laughs) what are you you talking about? This is a business world. This isn't a, oh, I don't want want my best friend's feelings to get hurt. If you think about it, though, he's actually one of their top. um, uh, What what is it? He's He's one of their top boosters. So he's practically an owner for Michigan kind of, kind of so saying is he's choosing Michigan over the Miami dolphins in the circuit. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely bizarre. Um, there's a um, few other, there's a few other coordinators that are out there. There's Matt Evers, um, who's the defensive coordinator for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. The Miami dolphins have requested the requested permission to interview both or not both, but Brian Dable of Buffalo bills, Dan Quinn of the, Formerly Cowboys. of the Atlanta Falcons, now of the Cowboys at DC. Vance Joseph, we all know he used to be our defensive coordinator, did a good job as defensive coordinator. However, absolutely fumbled the bag as the Denver Broncos uh, head coach there. Then we have the assistant or the offensive coordinator over in San Francisco. Do you know what his name is? Mike McDaniel. Sure. Wow. Oh my gosh. I just remember Mike McDaniel was a name that I heard a lot of Dolphins pages talking about bringing him over as offensive coordinator. So, you know, it, yeah, it he is. was tr- they were talking about um, him possibly uh, following over Robert Sala uh, over to the Jets last year uh, to become his uh, offensive coordinator. Um, however, uh, he was promoted uh, internally to offensive coordinator uh, from quarterbacks for, coach from no, running. Uh, he was assistant head coach and running backs coordinator uh, okay. or, running, I see. or I see. running run game coordinator. I'm sorry. Yeah, so there are so, some, there are some decent options out there, of course. Um, a, a, a name that I've heard talked about a little bit is, is Dabo Sweeney. I absolutely mm-hmm. do not want to touch him. I think he is kind of overrated as a coach. We saw that this year that Urban when he, Meyer, <laughs> when he didn't have all the top talent in the world, yeah, uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, I Ur- think his, Ur- Urban, Urban I think Meyer his coaching career is all but done. No, I'm saying uh, Dabo Sweeney is uh, Urban Meyer 2.0. Oh yeah, absolutely. He. I don't, I don't know if I want to go that far because I think as a as I just from what I know him as a guy, uh, not like I know him personally. Oh, hey, Dabo, how's it going? Uh, just from what I've seen of him, I believe he's more stand up than Urban Meyer is. And I trust him at the very least at that point. However, he didn't have everything perfect from this year. And we saw Clemson absolutely shatter. You know, he didn't have the quarterback performing. He doesn't have that offensive line. Right. So I wouldn't necessarily touch him. Um there, yeah, so there, there's the coordinators out there. There's former head coaches, of course. Like I said, Dan Quinn. Interesting, Jim Caldwell is also a name we've heard mentioned because he was supposed to be the assistant head coach for the Miami Dolphins, but he said, nah, I'm good. I'm not necessarily a big fan of that either. Uh, Doug Peterson is uh, rumored to be interviewing for the Bears job, the Broncos job, and the Vikings job. Uh, he won a Super Bowl. However, 
again, I'm not too big of a fan of him. Uh, Donovan, what's the name that really stands out for you that you would like to see as a Dolphins next coach? Um, Brian Dable. Uh, he had eight years uh, with the Patriots, followed by um, a couple. I had a year with the Dolphins, um, a year, uh, I think, in Jacksonville when they were actually good. Uh, he, he also had a, a couple years in um, Alabama when he was actually uh, to his quarterback coach. Um, and then he obviously has his four years uh, as the uh, Bills offensive coordinator where he's done absolutely wonders for Josh Allen. Um, like I, I pointed out in my first podcast with you um, that I'm not a huge fan of his uh, the way he creates a run game because there really isn't a run game. But I feel like uh, maybe he if he's able to communicate uh, with how he wants to build his own roster, maybe he can do that uh, uh, better than he did in Buffalo. Um, but just how he's worked with Josh Allen, because uh, Josh Allen's first two years are very similar to Tua's first two years statistically. Um, and if he's able to make help Tua take that next step, because he was Tua's quarterback coach in Alabama, maybe that's a name that we see, like, but it also comes down to this roster is ready to win now. So, and, but I also think that maybe he comes in and hires uh, good people around the league uh, as, you know, his assistants and coordinators and stuff like that. Kind of similar to what Dan Campbell did in Detroit. He didn't bring in his buddies from new England. Uh, That, that was my only really fault on Flores when he came over, he, Adam Gase did the same thing. He uh, texted his buddies and was like, hey, let's go to South Beach. Um, but I'm hoping that he kind of follows the Dan Campbell route and hires uh, a staff that uh, is, you know, highly praised. Because the one hire that we did have uh, through Adam Gase that was a high praise uh, um, hire was uh, Vance Joseph. And um, Honestly, love the guy as a defensive coordinator, but like you said, he did fumble the bag as a head coach in Denver. Um, I have similar feelings about Dan Quinn. He did make it to a Super Bowl, and that defense was pretty good uh, for a little while there. Um, but I think he had a little bit too much control there. Uh, and, I, yeah, that, that, that whole situation went downhill pretty fast. I'm not sure how much was coaching, how much was uh, personnel. But um, he, he's he's a hot commodity right now as far as uh, head coaching gigs. He's been requested by four teams. That's uh, just as much as uh, Doug Peterson, from what I hear. Um, I just want to step in for a second and say, I can't believe that, you know, this very our very first podcast, you said that the bill should fire Brian Dable to the to the strong dismay of Tyrell, who definitely let you hear, and I was on Tyrell's side with that. That was absolutely ludicrous. I think Brian Dable should be fired, as if it's his fault that they have refused to go out and sign or draft a better running back. And Devin Singletary has done really well as the season's gone on as the running back there, so they've at least improved in that. And you say he should I, be fired, I will, and I now you're saying he should be the Dolphins I'll head coach. Words. I w- well, if you go back and listen to that podcast, 
I did say I think he can make a good head coach. I did say yeah, that. as well as he can make a star offensive coordinator, arguably, if not arguably the best, if not the actual best offensive coordinator in the league. You know, just I I told you, you were wrong. I was admit wrong. It and move on. I was I okay. Was there wrong. you go. That's all we need. I was to wrong. Uh, a name that interesting, interestingly, neither you or I brought up that I kind of wanted to save. Uh, and it's interesting that you know it's not still not getting a lot of talk is Eric Bieniemy. You know, three years ago, if you would have told us that Eric Bieniemy still would not have a job, we've been absolutely baffled. And I think it's as time has gone on, we've allowed ourselves to really talk ourselves out of. Eric Bieniemy deserving a job. Who knows whether he'd be good, a good head coach or not. However, he was the hottest commodity in the league. He said he wanted to stay uh, another year uh, and still has yet to get high. He wanted to stay another year last year just because there was no good job opportunities out there. And even still, right now, as we're recording this, I haven't even heard of a team requesting to interview him. Meanwhile, two or three years ago, it was, it was a shock then he hasn't got hired. Uh, Adam was on the show last week, and I believe he said something along the lines of he's waiting, or maybe he didn't even say it in the show, maybe he just said it to me, that he says he thinks that they or the uh, enemy is waiting for Andy Reid to retire. And I'm like, Andy Reid's not really that old. He's just really fat. So we kind of expect yeah. him to go sooner than he would. Uh, I think we're more talking about health-wise than we're talking about coaching-wise, we're being honest. However, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. You know, you just he just locked up Mahomes to a 10-year contract you might as well roll with this and just have fun with it because how difficult really is Andy Reid's job? You just let Mahomes be Mahomes. The defense has been pretty decent all year. And you have Eric Bieniemy still there alongside you to help you further the team along. So it's just really outstanding that Eric Bieniemy isn't getting more talks uh, this year with this, this time around. However, I, I'm going to, I'm going to lean with uh, an agree with, agreement with you, I think Brian Dable would be the right direction to go. The offense of this team is the one thing that you could point the finger at Brian Flores and say, you did not do this right. We've had three mm-hmm. offensive coordinators for Tua, so many, and also the, the quarterback's coach. So so many different voices in, in Tua's ear that really hasn't helped his development. So whether we stick with Tua or not, just the job that Brian Flores did with this offense is absolutely it was absolutely terrible. That is the one thing we cannot deny. So Brian Dable being an offensive coordinator coming to this team, the defense is already well built. Hopefully we can get a good defense coordinator. And honestly, I really hope we would, would retain Josh Boyer as defensive coordinator, if at all possible. And if not, hopefully he can bring somebody in to, to give a, to continue the, where the defense is at. So he comes in, he can build some, some stability. Hopefully we can build an offensive line. If we choose to, stay with Tua, we can spend all that money, all $75 million. You know, We re-sign Ongba, re-sign Gesicki, hopefully re-sign players like Nick Needham, and build out the team around Tua. But if Brian Dable, who's coached Tua before, who already knows Tua, decides he's like, you know what? I don't necessarily want to stick with him. We have the money. We have the picks to out and go and get Deshaun Watson and still have his team be absolutely really strong. So one thing I wanted to touch on was you know when the last time the Dolphins scored over 40 points? Oh, boy. No, I do not. Uh, it was back when Dan Campbell took over as interim head coach. And we absolutely throttled the Texans. You remember I that game? I remember. Dude, I was there. That was We were up, like, 
We were up like we scored were, forty think, before the half. I was just about to say it was a. I remember it was a rainy game. I remember their tight end absolutely fumbling the ball into the air, and we got a pick six off that. Dude, that was that game was so much fun sitting there and we in didn't the rain. let off and we didn't let off. That was that is has been the thing uh, since with Gase with Flores. Uh, they have let off and got conservative when they got the lead. If you, you notice one thing about Flores when he was here uh, is that every time that we were down, uh, we didn't really open up the playbook until we were down like two scores. And then all of a sudden it was 20 yards to Parker, 20 yards to Gusecki, you know, 10 yards to here to uh, now to Waddle and, you know, it, back 20 yards to Parker, you know, and it's just jump ball and that and getting the offense involved, how it should have been throughout the entire game. Um, and one thing that Brian Dable over in Buffalo, he, he never lets off the gas. Like he, he, he will continue to throttle down your throat. He doesn't care if you're up 30 or up 40, he's going to continue to throttle it down. Uh, and he's going to just let his offense help his defense rather than let his defense help his offense. And you know what? I, I'm I'm here for it. We have the defensive pieces now where if he can get a defensive coordinator, that is good. If he keeps Josh Boyer, um, although I think Josh Boyer was helped a lot by Flores the second half of the season, I will say that. It looked like Flores was calling some plays. Um, if he can get a good defensive coordinator and this defense can stay together and kind of keep a similar identity to w- what it has now, then we can – be a monstrous team uh, with the right situation offensively. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can. And it's kind of a shame because we could have the same conversation. Just if we kept, <laughs> if we kept Brian Flores as coach, I, I mean, I saw, I saw a few uh, dolphins uh, accounts posting about, you know, dolphins are now expected to you know hop into the head coaching market. And the top comment was there's a coach called Brian Flores out that's out there. That'd be absolutely perfect for this team. So all these conversations we have about why uh, we think Dable could come in and help on the offensive side of things, Brian Flores was mostly doing wonders for the team as a whole. Yes, the offense was absolutely terrible. What this what this team did to our, our – who was our offensive coordinator last year? What was his name again, the old guy? Chan Gailey. Dude, the, what, what, are, what the fan base did to Chan Gailey is just, just <laughs> some, some, some biblical hellfire was thrown down on Chan Gailey, what this – fan base thought of him the offense was dead and lethargic notably when Tua was in the game when Fitzpatrick was in the game it was perfectly fine uh but I, I digress it was just disgusting to watch no fun at all no no excitement no joy no nothing we had Chad O'Shea in there as offensive coordinator and Brian Flores says his offense was too complex and ultimately that could be the decision that kind of ended his career as a Miami Dolphins head coach if that offense stays electric, has some sort of oomph to it, then there could probably be some less butting in the heads between him and Tua, him and Greer, him and the owner. So that is the one thing that we can definitely point the, the finger at Flores and say, you, you screw that up. There was just no creativity. I mean, we were talking before the this, this podcast here. I was like, 
I don't remember the last time Devontae Parker has run a deep post. Everything's either been slants or he's just running down the sidelines and Tua throws it somewhere in his vicinity. Sometimes he catches it, sometimes he doesn't. There's no creativity with the routes. Our, our version of creativity is doing a flea flicker once a game. We did, what, one yeah. or two fake punts this year? One, of course, didn't work. Uh, that was uh, a couple weeks ago when we played the – when was that? Was the Giants? Uh, I think it was the Saints. No, I was on the road. I don't remember who it was. I mean, it was, it was, at, it was at home, not at road, on the road. And then, of course, we saw the one that this week that, thank God, the ref decided to throw a flag on that. I mean – Honestly, from where I was at, it looked really bad. But when I saw It was not at all. It did not even touch him the, or barely the, grazed his shoulder. The Patriots special teamer basically just gave uh, Matt, Michael Polardi, the world's worst punter, a kiss on the cheek and got called for a personal foul because he was sliding. Got to um, give credit where credit's due. Polardi had a good game. He had his second yeah. good game of the season. <laughs> yeah, you mean he had his second good punt of the season. Don't give him too much credit. <laughs> Guys, guy absolutely stinks. Another decision. Uh, why'd you move on from Matt Hawk? You had a absolutely fantastic punter and you let, you let him go for uh, yeah. Money probably has something to do with it, but come on, he's a punter and you have all the cash space in the world. Well, unless you want to bring him to Sean Watson. Oh, but if you don't do it, then you do have money. Anyways, I digress. Um, the lack of creativity, the lack of something special on offense. And then we see, we saw it did go away on special teams as well. That would be Brian Flores's downfall, I guess. But as a whole, uh, I, we, 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 should, we do need to wrap this up. Can't get too caught into this. Uh, I just, yeah. Brian, Brian, if you're listening to this show, hi, how are you doing? But I would like to thank Brian Flores for the work he's done to really change the mood of the Miami Dolphins. My entire life as a Miami Dolphins fan has been filled with so much misery. Uh, I didn't quite enjoy the playoff run back in 2010 when we made it with the wild card, and, you know, of course lost in the first round. However, when we made the playoffs in 2016, when we made the playoffs in 2016, I felt great as a Dolphins fan with Ryan Tannehill, but that was quickly, quickly stripped away because Adam Gase is Adam Gase. Um, but you know, even in a losing season where we won five games, I had some of the most fun moments of my life as a Dolphins fan. That Eagles game, that that first year under Brian Flores, being there live in person, you know, the the fake field goal at the goal line, Devontae Parker had an absolutely monster game. I mean, I never forget that. Never going to forget the game 17, knocking the Patriots down from the one seed to the two seed. If Flores got nothing else from being, being the head coach, at the very least, he got some good Kansas City stakes courtesy of, of Andy Reid sending him some 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 quality meets over for getting the Chiefs a one seed, helping the Chiefs get to and win the Super Bowl. Never forget that. And then, you know, two years in a row being on the doorstep of the playoffs, falling just short. Uh, Brian Flores is just an absolute great thanks for this team and just really thank him for, you know, making me feel proud to be a Dolphins fan. I mean, the Dolphins have never been talked about uh, in the, by the national media in my entire life. Even when we made the playoffs, you know, the Wildcat was ooh and ah. However, we were talked to by the national media as a legitimate team. As in last year, at certain points, we were a legitimate top 10 team in the league. And we were a team to be feared by opponents. At the very least, we were a little had, had some respect and we had some fear from the opponents. Uh, something that I've never had before. And Brian Flores was a key component of that. So I really thank him for his time. 
And I just really hope that we can get this next decision right, bringing in this next head coach, hopefully can get the offensive right. Uh, clearly so far, it seems we're leaning to go an offensive route, which, you know, it's typical. If you fire one side of the ball, usually higher on the other side of the ball, just to try to make that better. We already have a good defense. Hopefully we can bring in an offensive guy like Dable, like the guy over in San Francisco, bring in one of those two, preferably, of course, for me, Brian Dable, get the offense figured out, get the team figured out, get the quarterback situation uh, worked out. And, you know, hopefully we can look back as, back at this as a good thing, as a sign of, you know, things change in a positive way. As things stand, I'm not too confident about that. I'm not too confident going into next year. However, next year is a, is a year of opportunity. We have so many possibilities of what we can do at quarterback, on offense, at head coach, of course. So, you know, we look forward to the future, try to look at it as positively as possibly can. But uh, thank you, Brian Flores, for what you did for this organization. Just hopefully the team as a whole can be better moving forward. So moving on from the head coaching top, well, I guess we can we spend just a little bit of time of let's let's play connect the dots. Let's say let's say who's let's see where go Brian Flores. Where's Brian Flores? Well, we can go? start. We can He's going to get hired. Yes, we can start. We can start specifically with Brian Flores. Where, Donovan, where do you think he's going to end up? There are so many good options for him uh, right now. I mean, the Vikings situation is a very, very good one for him. The Bears are uh, the Bears can be a good option for him. Uh, they have pieces. Uh, they have a really good defense. I mean. Just Robert Quinn, 18 sack season. Khalil Mack missed the season, but he's going to be back next year. Uh, you're going to have a new GM there uh, that you can build the offense around. They have a decent offense, um, young quarterback with a good arm. Uh, so that they can they can build around that if he can make the right personnel changes. Um, and, you know, he he's a well-respected guy around the league. I mean – there are so many players that uh, were just shocked by his firing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he took players like Nick Needham and Emmanuel Ogba over to uh, Chicago with so him. Chicago he, is your official prediction is what I'm hearing here. I I think, well, he, he his only interview right now is with Chicago. Um, I think his best, his best destination would be the Vikings. I disagree on the best destination. I think the Broncos are a quarterback away from being a contending team. They have a defense. Quarterback they have an away for 10 line. years. Yes, they have been. However, being a quarterback away is a quarterback away. We saw what happened when they got Peyton Manning. Took him to two mm-hmm. Super Bowls, winning one, of course. So I think if, you know, let's, let's say Aaron Rodgers decides to abandon ship regardless of what happens this season, he could go down to Denver. I forgot about that. I forgot yeah. that Aaron Rodgers' best, most favorable destination is Denver. I did forget and, about that. You are right. The, when the Sean Watson thing was happening in the offseason, you know, we definitely heard him say yes and no about a bunch of teams. He said no to Carolina. He said no to Eagles. He said yes to Miami. I don't recall him giving an answer on Denver, which definitely could open the door for possibilities, especially if we know how good of a roster they have. So I think for Brian Flores, that's the best case scenario. For me, I'm going to lean to agree with you. I think I'm sure Andrew would love to hear this. I just have a gut feeling that he's going to end up with Chicago, with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Chicago is completely starting over minus quarterback. They got rid of their GM, Ryan Pace, got rid of Matt Nagy, had a head coach. Finally, gosh, how many years have we been screaming for his head? How many years have I heard Andrew just, I mean, those who listened to the podcast when Andrew was on it, you didn't even get a percentage 
of what I've heard from this kid talking about how much he can't stand Matt Nagy. He last year when they played the Saints in the playoffs, he was essentially rooting against them just because he knew how bad that team was and didn't deserve to be in their first place. But really just gone there in a technicality that the the bottom of the NFC playoff chase was just absolutely terrible. That seven seed was meaningless, and we saw them quickly get dispatched uh, by the New Orleans Saints in that first game. So they're starting over completely fresh, and I think a good start is bringing Flores in, allowing him to choose, uh, get a choice of his GM. And they have the quarterback, and I personally, I've always been high on, on Justin Fields. We did see Zach Wilson start to come around. However, in the draft, I said that Justin Fields was the number two quarterback. So they have him there. They have Robert Quinn, the former Dolphin, who has been going absolutely off this season. I we, I do believe they probably look to move off Khalil Mack and try to get some, try to get some picks for him, clear up some money because that defense has really regressed as years gone on. And like I said, a lot of time when you see a team move off of one side of the ball, they go to the other. Apparently, Matt Nagy was some offensive guru. We never saw it. So I can definitely see them bringing in Brian Flores to fix the situation. Or they go the offensive route and try to get Vic Fangio to come back over. Either way, for Chicago, I think that'd be a good thing. So I'm going to agree with you. I think he is going to go to Chicago up to New York, where I think the situation is a little, a little more interesting because they could really go in, in either offense direction, experience, inexperience. Again, another team that has fired their head coach, fired their GM. Donovan, who do you think is going to end up as the New York football Giants head coach? Uh, you know what? That That's a tough one. Um, they just fired Joe Judge uh, mere hours ago, actually. So it's like they haven't been able to request anybody as of yet. Um, I, I I obviously think they're going to uh, request Brian Dable, Dan Quinn, uh, you know, the typical top people, maybe even Brian Flores. Uh, um, he may get requested over there. Um, I think Van jo- Vance Joseph deserves a shot. I personally don't want him in Miami, but he deserves a shot somewhere because uh, he didn't really get a fair shake in Denver. Uh, when he was over there, that roster had had just been pretty much dismantled on offense, and uh, defensively they were fine uh, with him. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything special, but they, there's only so much a defense can do when they can't stay uh, – when they have to stay on the field the entire time. Um, so who, who do you got? Get to it, bud. Who's, who's going to be sorry. the Giants head coach? Yeah. I have my I, answer ready if you do not have yours ready. Go go ahead with your answer. I want to hear yours. I, I, think, I honestly don't know. I think they're going to steal from their own division. I think they're going to go out and get the Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, to, to go oh. over there, take over, lead that offense. They try to take another former Cowboy away in uh, – oh, crap, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jason Garrett. And Jason that Garrett. absolutely, of course, we know that didn't work. However, Kellen <laughs> Moore has definitely ha- has a – I mean, he definitely has a knack for building an offense. And, you know, we did see the offense kind of drop off as the year has gone on. And you got to question, you know, his age, he might, he's, he's, he might not be the oldest guy in that locker room. He's only 33 years old. However, I think he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy is. I don't know how much, I don't know the situation behind the scenes there. How much is McCarthy? How much is Kellen Moore? Uh, I, I think he could be a good head coach. And and just I kind of my gut says they're gonna they're gonna dip in the pot again and, and try to go get Kellen Moore from the Dallas Cowboys. You know I actually really like that answer. Um, Kellen Kellen Moore I 
that is he's underrated because I you know what I've said from day one how overrated the top two players on that uh defense or offense are uh with Dak Prescott and uh Ezekiel Elliott and he hasn't been afraid to even take Ezekiel Elliott out and put Tony Florida in because he knows Tony Florida can uh pretty much do what Zeke does uh right now if not better um and Dak Prescott I know you're really high on him but I'm not I I've never really been uh high on Dak uh I think what he has done for Dak has done him wonders uh and I really like Kellen Moore so I really like that answer I I still have no clue who I I I take uh for them because it's really just a question mark. They're probably going to go GM first and then head coach, unlike the Bears who are interviewing head coaches before they're interviewing GMs. Um, uh, the Bears did request uh, Jeff Ireland, former Dolphin uh, GM. Uh, uh, Andrew come. would be absolutely livid if that was the case. <laughs> they did request him for an interview. Um, <laughs> He's like, hey, can you tell us all, all the things you do and we'll look for pretty much everything that you don't do in a GM? <laughs> that's that's no, what I understand. But he, since, since, he's been, since he's been the Saints assistant GM, he's actually been pretty good, but I still don't like him. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to give uh, – I'm going to give yeah. you the same answer. I'm just going to say Kellen Moore is going to go yeah. over to New York. Uh, that's going to take us down I like to that. – that takes us down to, to Jacksonville, and I believe we have the same answer with that. I believe Brian Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich is going to get his opportunity there to go down, go coach the the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, almost anything can play be for. Almost anything can be better than how Urban Meyer handled that situation. And Brian Leftwich is well respected in that Tampa Bay locker room, where you know you got so many personalities, you got so many stars. It's definitely difficult to get a grasp on some of these guys and get some respect from these guys. However, you can tell he has a respect there and it just makes sense. Like you said, especially you with how Bruce Arians handles his players. Uh, Cause he's not Bruce Arians is the coach. That's not afraid to call out his players. Uh, he's called out Leonard Fournette multiple times. He's called out Tom Brady. Like who calls out Tom Brady? Yeah. Um, and, and Brian like, left, which has been there it, alongside it, him and has been able to and, handle it. Go ahead. Absolutely. So the way he, the way he's handled that locker room, uh, and like I said, the multiple uh, personalities there, because we know how difficult uh, Leonard Fournette was when he was with Jacksonville. Uh, we know how uh, Richard Sherman can be, I mean, opposite, opposite side of the ball, obviously, but still every coach plays a role in keeping uh, containment, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, Antonio Brown, bro, uh, and – uh, he's done a really good job. He's really respected by Tom Brady. Um, I personally, uh, as a coordinator, I think he's overrated. Uh, however, as I didn't say he's bad, I it's said he's overrated. It's, your logic is so interesting that you say Brian Leftwich or yeah, Brian Leftwich, and you say Brian Dable aren't necessarily good coordinators, but you think they're good enough to be head coaches. I, I think I – think I don't understand. Because it takes more than just being a coordinator to be a head coach. Exactly. It's harder. But it's – you're not sitting there calling the plays. You're – the Yeah, you're in charge I, of 53 men every given Sunday. You're in charge of all yes. the other coaches. You're in charge of hiring said coaches to make good decisions as well as you have – People but when you, you have you those kind of relationships like that, 
when you have when you have the kind of relationships and I say he's now he's also learned from Tom Brady since the last time I saw him really control an offense because the last time I really saw him control an offense without having the goat at quarterback was when he had Jameis Winston there and that was Jameis's 30 and 30 season he goes over to the Saints and look at he, he started out the season fantastic he he had one of the the best uh stretches uh of his career those seven games before he tore his ACL um and so that's where I kind of question how good was he as a coordinator now he I I I think he probably improved uh with the help of Tom Brady um now he has great relationships, especially still with Jacksonville. He used to play for them. I think he can be a, a good person to help turn that uh, uh, that organization around. Yeah, Another I name think, that was I thrown think... there was uh, Doug Peterson. Um, yeah, but that's. But I, I don't. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I don't think, especially with how, happening. especially think... with how the Eagles have done without him this year. Because honestly, me included. A lot of people thought the Eagles are going to go on a downfall without him. Uh, and I was completely wrong. He was uh, uh, obviously they're doing really well over there without him. Um, and because it was kind of a power struggle, that's how he ended up uh, getting fired or relieved of his duties. Yeah. So I think we're both, like I said, we're both in agreement there with Byron Leftwich being the new head coach. They're one man who is most certainly not going to be their head coach. And I, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I think he's going to stay exactly put. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to stay the Michigan head coach. I don't have him filling in at any of the head coaching spots. And I definitely don't think Jacksonville would go to double dip into the college market. I'm just going to do these next couple ones myself. Cause I, I really intended this to be a, a very brief thing. And we're going to move on to talk about the, the playoffs. The Minnesota Vikings has, the, has an opening there. That one, I'm not too sure on. They could go offensive. They could go defense. However, I think that they're going to go – I think they're going to go with the experience of bringing in Doug Peterson. I think they have a roster that's already pretty good to win right now, and they could go ahead and get that experience, get that uh, Super Bowl acumen that he you know, at least had at one point and bring him in uh, Minnesota. Over in San Francisco, I think it's going to be a double – or sorry – over in Denver, I think it's going to be a double dip of San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to go out and get Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator there. And there, I think in that, they're also going to bring over Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback next year. We were talking about, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers moves on, maybe not. However, I think I can definitely see the Packers making the Super Bowl, if not winning the Super Bowl. So I think that it'd be a really good thing for the 49ers to uh, the, the foreign or the, sorry for the Denver Broncos to double dip. They're bringing Mike McDaniel. Um, the one place that I could see Jim Harbaugh going, and I actually did forget that they have a head, co- they will have a head coaching available just because, you know, they're in the playoffs is the, is the Las Vegas Raiders. That is the one destination that yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, if, if he is to leave co- college, I think he would go there. Um, it, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It also would make a lot of sense for them to try to, again, dig in division, take Eric Bieniemy out of Kansas City. So for me, I think Eric Bieniemy is, is going to get his second – or he's, gonna, he's finally going to get that opportunity as head coach. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to go over to Las Vegas. However, if Harbaugh is to leave, I think it will be to, to, be, to the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Uh, am I missing any teams off the top of my head? So we've done the Raiders. We've done the Broncos. Uh, we've Dolphins. Done the we think we think it's gonna be Brian Dable. Uh, yeah. So we did Raiders. Uh, they either get Jim Harbaugh, Eric Bieniemy. I personally think that if they uh, if they don't get Jim Harbaugh, do they stick with their head coach? I don't think they go out and get Eric Bieniemy. Okay. Um, Jaguars, uh, Leftwich, uh, Broncos. You said uh, they're gonna get Mike McDaniel. Yep. Um, I I don't really have. Uh, I think they're gonna go uh, offensive side of the ball as well. I just don't know who they're gonna get. Um, Dolphins, Brian Dable, Vikings. Uh, who'd you say for the Vikings? I said Doug again? Peterson goes up there. You're probably right with that one. Yeah, like he's going to be interviewed yeah. there and, you know, get some experience into an already pretty good roster. You know what? Joe Joe Judge uh, might be a decent head coach candidate. I don't think he gets hired this cycle. Uh, I think he get, goes back to New England and be uh, to be their special teams coordinator again. But um, that that is uh, one name to watch for interviews. Um, you know, I think Dan Rizzi should get some interviews. I don't think he will. Um the Bears, we said Flores, and the Giants, uh, you said Kellen Moore. Um, so, yeah, we got um, – that's all, so far. So uh, far. We, all we that's could... there. Um, Adam Schefter did suggest – I watched a video because he, he was saying uh, about places for possible landing spots for Brian Flores. So, obviously, I watched it. And he said that uh, there's even places to watch where there's still a head coach there like Houston. That's the one place I was going to bring up. You know, last year, Houston got the last choice uh, of head coach there. Nobody wanted to go in there with the Deshaun Watson situation, the, the, the capital they've given away just in recent years. It, it's been absolutely a crap show there. So, yeah, we could still see them move on from head coach, and then if that happens, we will talk about it then. However, those are the coaches that have been, you know, fired. I personally think Cully should get uh, a second season there. He he did way better than any of us anticipated uh, with that roster. Yeah, and um, Dave and that draft pick with Davis Mills is turning out to be really good so far. So we'll see what the Texans do. However, let's let's, let's, let's stop. Let's talk about stop talking yeah. about teams that were that had bad years or unexpectedly fire their head coach who had great two years with them. <laughs> um, anyways, let's talk about let's talk about the teams that are in the fight that are going to be trying to win the Super Bowl. And first things first, you have the wild card weekend. And notably, wild card weekend got extended by a game. They stretch things out a little bit more. Normally, it'd be three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday for this first round. However, they said, you know what, guys? We're going to give you one more. Let's go ahead and put arguably the best matchup, Arizona and Los Angeles Rams, on Monday night football to be the, the last of the games for the wild card weekend. Uh, first, well, I'll run through all the matchups first, and then we'll 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 discuss what we think is going to go on in each matchup. First off, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. Who all right? Let's take some. We can. Here's where we're going to take the time. That game of the Raiders and Chargers was absolutely fantastic. Me it personally, was bonkers. I was sitting here in my bed, uh, rooting. I was, facing, for a tie. I, I was well. I was rooting for a tie. I was, I was rooting for chaos. I hate the Steelers, first and foremost. I was rooting for a tie, as well as just the chaos that would have ensued. Who knows what the NFL would have done, not right now, but beyond here, maybe to change up the tie rule. Um, but I was sitting here. I was on the phone with Kyle because Kyle doesn't have NBC, I guess. So I was literally 
play by playing the game for him. And then for that last kick, I FaceTimed him. So he watched it. So for literally an hour, I was just giving him play by play of the game, you know, practicing being the professional commentator that I am. Uh, it's wow. The back and forth, the chargers on that last drive of the game had a over 20 play drive where it seemed like first, second, third down, they just, Justin Herbert just closed his eyes and prayed it got towards the receiver because his offensive line was getting absolutely destroyed. Max Crosby was absolutely destroying their backup right tackle there. And he, he I, I mean, there was notably a play where Crosby was lined up inside at, in the D tackle position. He cuts to the outside around the right tackle, pushes the right tackle over and, and gets to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was just, getting knocked down that entire drive. However, he stayed in it. He was able to make his throws and eventually converts a 21-play drive on the last play of of regulation, score a touchdown, goes into overtime, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I don't think it's going to happen, but every single person who knows you know, the tiebreakers, everybody is thinking, what if? What if? And they go down. Raiders go down, kick that field goal pretty calmly, nothing too theatrical. And then the Chargers, again, looked like they were going to be stopped. However, then Justin Herbert has a deep pass to Mike Williams down the sideline. And now the Chargers are an opportunity to continue to drive and potentially get a touchdown. They, of course, do not. They're, they, the one bright spot, I will say, of this Chargers team is, hey, they found a kicker that can hit some clutch kicks. In years past, we've seen a lot of games, a lot of you know, just playoffs even, that it came down to their kicking and obviously fell through. However, that was not the issue on Sunday. They made the kicks. They kept them in the game. So they tie the game back up. The Raiders start marching back downfield and everybody, I mean, everybody is thinking this is going to end in a tie. It's going to end in a tie. It's there. The ball is on the hat. The, the ball's on the 50 yard line. And what happens? The chargers call timeout. And now just if, 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 you, if you remove everything away, if you remove everything from the situation, the, 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 the clock, the, the impact of what's going on in the situation, it was a very understandable timeout. The Raiders were going to be running the ball. We all know they're going to be running the ball. And then what does the Chargers do? They throw in their pass personnel. And, and you know, makes sense. The, the Chargers head coach is like, timeout, hold up. We're going to bring in our run personnel. And what happens? The very next play with the run personnel, they end up running the ball and getting a decent gain, which, of course, puts them in a better position to kick a field goal. And, you know, if just from a Raiders perspective, yeah, you, you actually do want to win that game. If you tie the game, you play the Chiefs. If you win the game, you go on and play the Bengals. So what happens? They run the ball. They're in field goal position. And I'm sitting there like, oh, the clock's going to run out. And then you see Derek Carr standing next to the ref. And I'm like, no, no way they're going to do it. And you see it five, four, three. And Derek Carr, Derek Carr calls timeout. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then out steps, you know, arguably the best kicker of the season. Daniel Carlson has hit many game winners or at the very least kicks that have kept Raiders into games. And he steps up there and he nails the freaking kick the chargers are out of the playoffs chaos ensues <laughs> the the steelers nation I'm, I'm sure i'm sure from las vegas you could hear the cheers from pittsburgh as the fans are like yes we somehow made it in absolutely fantastic and you see on the sideline there austin neckler talking to the one of the players on the raiders 
and just he's like, wait, were you guys going to kneel? And the guy was like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, best 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 game of the season. Donovan, I see you're looking at me weird. What do you want to say? So it was actually uh, – so you you said that he called timeout to put his run personnel in. That is incorrect. He actually took out a linebacker and put in a safety. So he put it in his pass personnel. I'm talking – no, he – Yes, he yeah, I out, watched. No, he the, came out and said that he was trying to put on his put in his run personnel. If you watch the tape, Emmanuel Acho uh, put put out a tape where he pointed out that he took out a linebacker and put in a safety. So the safety on the run play uh, went went to the wrong hole, and so the linebacker that was there uh, had to cover that hole and ended up being. Uh, and that's where the the hole opened up for the uh, – I think it was the B-gap that opened up for uh, for Jacobs to run through. I mean, it just makes sense, though, that – I mean, it, I understand I understand what you're saying. Personnel-wise, if you just close your eyes and you say, okay, they're taking off a linebacker and putting in a safety. Okay, they're playing towards the pass. But we all know, Brandon Staley knows, they're not passing the ball here. The Raiders – the Raiders, all they have to do is let the clock run out, and they're in the playoffs. No shot are they taking a chance of throwing this ball. Derek Carr, I mean, he didn't have a bad game. He threw 184 yards on the day. He had a few nice throws, and he had a few key opportune uh, throws where you know he needed to make a throw. However, they're not throwing the ball with 50 seconds left in the game on their own 50-yard line. They have no incentive to throw the ball, potentially get an interception. I mean, we saw the national championship game on Monday. Interception on on Alabama's driving in Georgia uh, territory. They throw an interception. He's taking back for a touchdown. No shot are you allowing that to happen. So I understand why you say like, they bring the safety on. However, ultimately what they were trying to do was run scheme. And we've seen it all year from the Chargers. Their downfall has been their defense. And, you know, that's a mental downfall. If you think a safety is going to be provide better help on a run play than a linebacker, that is absolutely absurd. But that has been the Chargers issue all year. Yeah, they sometimes take some risks that they shouldn't take. But, you know, if that's your identity, that's your identity. Fair enough. And it almost got them to the playoffs. Now, a stupid decision to go for it on your own 20-yard line. Absolutely. You're only down by three points and you're going for it on fourth and two and you hand the ball off and you have Justin Herbert back there. At least keep the ball in his hands. Give him the opportunity to run. You're handing it to a, a running back. I'm not sure if it's, if the running back's taller than Haley. All right. And you're run, you're having him run through the middle. That is a terrible decision. So we can question that. However, the, the defensive lapse that has been going on all season and the run game, again, has been a huge issue for the Chargers. And that's ultimately what cost them because, you know, if that timeout doesn't get called, if those yards don't get gained, the, the, the Raiders aren't going to risk anything. They're they're already gifted into the playoffs. However, Brandon Staley, you know, you fumbled the bag on that one, and now they're going to be watching the playoffs at home. Hey, and he, he ate his own words because he said he's not going to be playing for a tie and uh, that he wants a winner to come out of this. You well, just disrupted my – I was going to be so smooth with that transition. I said they were they're watching, watching the playoffs. I was saying they're going. I was going to say they're watching the playoffs from home, and the first game they're going to be watching from home is the team that they just saw win on a last-second kick. And you know, I'm doing it anyways. The, they're going to be watching the game that they just saw the last-second kick of the Raiders. Uh, Raiders go on into Cincinnati to play the Cincinnati Bengals, and I mean, what a beautiful way to start the playoffs. Uh, there's really only 
there's two of the games I'm not that interested in Philly and Tampa, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I don't really want to spend too much time on. I think we know how it's going to go. However, Las, Las, Las Vegas, Las Vegas makes the playoffs for the first time uh, in, I think, five or six years. And Derek Carr's first appearance into the playoffs because we all know that one year they made it to the playoffs as the number two seed. Derek Carr got injured with a back injury and ultimately missed that, missed that matchup. And so you have them off the back of this emotionally strong game, the best game of the year that we saw. And, and also what's happened to this team of the year, you know, they fire their head coach, their star receiver gets arrested. Multiple other place, players have issues off the field for them to still get to the playoffs is absolutely outstanding. That being said, I think Cincinnati is going to take care of business. I think Joe Burrow is going to walk in there, throw up another 450 yards like he's done to Baltimore twice this year. Uh, Donovan, do you see anything else happening? Um, I think it's going to be a closer game than you anticipate. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I do think the Bengals are going to take care of business. So the one problem the Bengals have had, uh, and it, it wasn't as bad as last year, but it was pass protection. Um, and you have one of the best uh, pass rushes in the NFL, which is kind of the reason they really made the playoffs between their pass rush and Max Crosby and Ngakwe. Uh, uh, and then uh, on the other side of the ball, you have Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. But, I mean, you have that pass rush just going after Burrow the entire time. He's going to have to get the ball out quick or he's going to have to roll out. Um, and I, I think he's going to get hit a lot. He's going to get rattled. And it, it, I think it, I think it may be an overtime game, to be quite honest. I would love and it. And I, I, I don't know who's going to win that overtime game. I can't give you an answer, but I think it's going to be an overtime game. Um, if Come we want to move on to the – No, no, okay, no, no. If, if, no, if, if no. you really want to give me an answer, if you really want me to give an answer, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm wow. actually going to go – I'm going to go with uh, – in the AFC, I'm going to go with two upsets. I'm going to go with the upset of the Raiders over the Bengals, and I'm going to go with the upset of the Patriots over the Bills. Now, the second one I can definitely see happening because, you know, it's the it's the Patriots, it's Bill Belichick. And you know what? This, since the show has happened, I've been wrong on so many predictions. I mean, I trashed the Tennessee Titans three or four episodes ago when they were going to play the 49ers. They then went to beat the 49ers, and then they went then to beat the Miami Dolphins. So I was wrong with them. And then Adam comes on the show last week, calls the Raiders the third-best team in football, which, okay, I am not wrong about that. They are not the third-best team in football. Adam, you are a fool for saying they're that good. Anyways. <laughs> he, um, okay, he is. He is. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. However, I expected the Chargers to win last week. If I, if I was a betting man, I would have bet on the Chargers. And I was flat out wrong. They proved me wrong. They proved that they, you know, they deserve to be in the playoffs because either way it was going to be a tie or they won the game and you know, they won the game. So fair play to them. However, that Cincinnati offense is disgusting. It yeah, is. You have Trey Henders or I'm sorry, Trey Henders. That's, that's Cincinnati. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking ahead of my argument. I'm, I'm, I'm like 10 steps oh, ahead shit. of myself. They have, uh, they have Max Crosby. They, uh, they have um, Perriman that came over from the Chargers. Now, I, he did get injured in that game, and I don't recall if I've heard anything about whether his, he's going to be available or not. However, he's had an incredible season there. And just the emotion of the playoff and Derek Carr leading them away has been you know really great to see. I do think it's going to come to an end. I think Joe Burrow is going to get his first playoff win. Jamar Chase, rookie of the year. I can definitely see him going off against a 
pretty weak Raiders secondary at the end of the day, as well as how are you going to guard all three of, yeah, they- of, of Chase, of, of Tree Higgins, as Andrew's fantasy team is named. And then, of course, you still have Tyler Boyd there, who's been there for years now. And then you got a consistent running game. You don't have the offensive line necessarily in front of them to consistently have good games. However, Joe Mixon, top five in rushing yards this year. And Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is, is, is money, baby. He's definitely going to be top five at the very least in the MVP uh, MVP voting at the end of the year. So I think mm-hmm. Cincinnati moves on. And, you know, I, I'm not going to predict the same upset as you. So I'm going to say Cincinnati is going to move on to play uh, Tennessee because I have I have Buffalo coming in and getting the win there in in that in their matchup. So can I explain why I predicted the upset there? No, please. You you go ahead. Have a so, floor, sir. So so the upset I predicted for the Patriots over I predicted this upset halfway through the Dolphins game. The Patriots played so bad and so undisciplined in Miami in week 18 that Bill is going to lay into them so much that they're going to have to go out and ball against uh the Bills. I think their defense is going to be running around and uh, just smothering Josh Allen. I think uh, that their offense is going to run all over that Buffalo offense. And you know what? Mac Jones, he's had like five bad games minus the Jaguars game in a row. He's going to go out and he's going to ball. Um, and, he, you know, he, he has to get over that little hump. Mac Jones, like I said, besides that uh, Jaguars game, five weeks in a row of just, you know, not not doing really good. Yeah, Maybe gotta... they open up the playbook for uh, for the playoffs. You know, Bill, Bill, Bill is Bill for a reason. He's almost up there with Don – He, I mean, he's almost up there to pass Don Shula here pretty soon uh, in – uh, all-time wins in regular season and playoffs. Um, so there's that for a reason. He's w- the winningest coach in the playoffs in history for a reason. Uh, you know, so I think Bill is going to do what Bill does. He's just yeah, I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you. I think Buffalo has proved that the better team. I don't even want to get into that snow game that you know has absolutely zero meaning at this point. Buffalo just a few weeks ago went into New England in a very meaningful game. That game was going to determine how the rest of the season for the AFCs play out. Winner of that game likely wins the division. And what happened? Buffalo went in there and I'd say pretty comfortably took care of business, made Josh or made a Mac Jones throw two interceptions there. And Mac Jones has not looked good recently. He hasn't thrown over 300 yards in, I think it is five or six weeks now. And, He's very limited. We know that him and Tua are very comparable. I still say Tua is a little better, but they're both I do very, they're both very comparable. He has a great offensive line. He has a great offensive system. He has a great head coach. So I believe he's given everything to succeed. But when it comes to the playoffs, you need your players to step up, and you take Josh Allen, who has some playoff experience, but what he has is is. You can't quant you can't quantify in terms of numbers. Yeah, he, you, you, he, he has that watch fight. It. He has Ooh. the heart. He has the fight. I love I, I I hate him, but I love him. I love him as a person. Like you the way that he just fights for his own players, like as a quarterback. I love Josh Allen. He does fight for his players. You know, it's just 
it's pretty much it's me saying Bill's gonna out coach. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Sorry and, for interrupting. No, the 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 coach the the coaching argument. Yeah, it's definitely gonna go. It's it's definitely gonna be. You know, it's probably gonna lean New England, obviously, because you know you'd only have you know the one that's out of the second the second most winningest coach in NFL history only has six Super Bowls and is only Bill Belichick. However. Sean McDermott is in no ways a bad coach. He's one of the best coaches in the league and is going to take, is, is set to take over as the best coach in the AFC East whenever Bill Belichick eventually does finally decide to retire. And how they handled that game, like I said, how they handled that game uh, in New England a few weeks ago, the quarterback they have, you know, we saw that game so many times. The Patriots had Josh Allen pinned in a corner, especially in the fourth quarter, and it, he just couldn't just continue to make throws. And that's the one thing you could say is how much is Brian Dable helping him at that anymore at this point? Cause you know, he definitely helped in his development, but Josh Allen is just Josh Allen. He's making these absolutely absurd throws that you don't expect many other quarterbacks to make And Mac Jones certainly can't make you. You would never see Mac Jones rolling to his left three guys in his face and just give the nice soft touch, soft, soft touch, but, missile of a throw at the same time into his receiver's hands to continue a very important drive. Now they can't run the ball. And that is one thing that would be very interesting that if somehow that new England can stop the passing game a little bit, Buffalo does not really have a second gear. We've seen Devin Singletary step up as the season's gone on. And Josh Allen is not afraid to drop the shoulder. We saw it last season how he, what he did to Kyle Van Noy. He could probably do the same thing again this year to Kyle Van Noy. He's absolutely run through him. Uh, and I, I do have, uh, so ultimately I do have Buffalo winning on the last game of Saturday. You have anything else to, to add to this matchup? Well, I was just going to say, uh, as you pointed out, how Josh Allen can have three guys in his face and just throw a beautiful ball. Um, wanted to point out how last week Mac Jones rolled out to his right, had 20 yards of grass in front of him and threw it at his receiver's feet. And yeah. I still got them to win. Just say, uh, Matt. Yeah, Mac Jones is. <laughs> you know, he does not add a lot of dynamic ability to that offense. Where you know, you know eventually, that eventually, Spider-Man eventually, meme. That Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. Yeah, two of Mac that, Jones. That's two. That's two of Mac Jones. Uh, yes, and one of them's our quarterback. Got to love that. Um, but yeah, I have Buffalo winning. You have New England winning. So hey, fair enough. You know, I could definitely see but, New England winning. It wouldn't be the craziest so, thing in the world. Yeah. Um, so the next game would be the Eagles and Buccaneers. Um, I think it could be a competitive game, but Tom Brady's Tom Brady. He's going to win it. I think, I think it'd be a game very similar to what the uh, Buccaneers. Expe- well, no, what the, what the Buccaneers experienced in their game last year, their first game of the playoffs last year with Washington, where Washington, they had a recipe last year, you know, in, in some ways they're similar teams, not necessarily in terms of what they actually do ability wise, but they have a very similar mentality last year. They knew that they had a great defense and they're rolling in there with Taylor Heineke last year. He was somewhat of a playmaker. You made the occasional play. However, they were going to try to stop on defense and they gave Tom Brady as much trouble as anybody did in that playoffs last year. And it was a one score game for most of the game. Of course, Washington did eventually fall and Tampa did go on to win the Super Bowl. However, Philadelphia, very similar. They have a mentality. They have an, they, they know how they can win games and Hey, 
if they if they get out there and run the ball really well, Jalen Hurts doesn't turn the ball over at all. If Jalen Hurts can, can run the ball at the quarterback, they can hand it off to their three or four running backs that they trust. If they can continue that running game, I can see an upset, but I'm going to lean Tampa, of course. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if Hurts is going to play. How, how healthy is he? he? I know they held him out last week because as a precaution, but um, they're, they're saying that sometimes like he couldn't play because he re-injured himself. I think so. knowing Jalen Hurts, knowing his mentality, he's going to do everything possible to get in that field. Gardner Minshew, you love the guy. He's fun. He's entertaining to watch. He's the doctor disrespect of the NFL. However, you can only go so far with that. And for a starting playoff game, I want the acumen. He's been there. He's been there in national championship games. He did, of course, get benched by the Miami Dolphins quarterback uh, to attack by Loa. Um, however, he's been there before. He's done it before on a college in a college sense sense and uh you know he's part of their recipe he runs the ball as about as good as any quarterback in the league outside of lamar jackson so if they can run the ball eat the clock away keep tom brady on the sidelines keep in mind tom brady is you know obviously missing antonio brown chris goblin is also going to be gone leonard Fournette's also going to be gone so if they can you know step up on the defensive side of the ball it's not un- unimaginable that philadelphia could pull off the off- upset however you have tom brady tom brady has won more with less than he has currently this year. So I do expect Tampa Bay to win it. Uh, moving on to uh, either the 49. first, yeah, either the first, second, you know, definitely one of the better matchups of the weekend. Again, I say all the, all the matchups are really good. So I, you shouldn't really even, I shouldn't really even say, oh, this is the best. This is the best because really we're blessed with a, some great matchups. Yeah, San honestly, Francisco, the first three are going to be good games. And this San is no Francisco different. San Francisco in Dallas is just, that's just absolutely historic matchup. I mean, our parents have, have, have gotten to see some absolutely outstanding matchups of these two teams over the years. And, you know, they're obviously not as good as the Joe Montana 49ers. They're not as good as the Troy Aikman, Jimmy Johnson, Dallas Cowboys. But these are still two really good teams. San Francisco, if Jimmy Garoppolo can limit his, uh, his, his interceptions, they can run the ball. They got a great team. They have those two explosive offensive weapons in George Kittle and Debo Samuel. And then on the other side of Dallas, the defense has really stepped up this year. Dan Quinn has done a great job now just managing the defense. Has done a great job to take that Dallas Cowboys defense, which is you know a bottom five defense last year, and now really taking him to a great spot. Trayvon Diggs, while he is the most overrated player in the league, he's still really good. He's still, he's still the league leader in interceptions. Also, I think the lead leaguer in yards yards uh, allowed to receivers, but they have a good defense there in Dallas. We've seen them, you know, it hasn't always been pretty, but they smacked the crap out of Washington a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, that game against against Arizona was was kind of concerning. You know, they were mostly fully healthy. Michael Gallup did go down the game. However, the Cardinals being without James Conner and DeAndre Hopkins, I think a little bit bigger of a deal than missing Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup. Uh, Donovan, who do you have winning this game? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm not sure if it's really an upset or not. I'm going with 49ers. Interesting. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you again. I, I gave, I kind of gave up on the 49ers and Hey, maybe that means they're going to win now since I officially said I gave <laughs> up on them. Um, I'm going to go Dallas and, you know, kind this, of this is to the say one. that. Yeah. This is the one I'm actually not sure about um, as far as my upsets go by, but just how that team has fought. Um, 
it is going to be really hard for Jimmy G to get the ball out quickly. Um, and really his only reliable receivers are George Kittle and uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, they really do have a nice running back in Elijah Mitchell, though, uh, now that he's back fully healthy. Um, he's actually up there with Javante Williams as uh, the top two rookie running backs right uh, right now in the NFL. Um, and he, he's done really well this year. I I, I only really know that because I have him on fantasy. But I was about to say, this that's the only reason you're talking about this man as much is because you tried to trade him like 17 times in fantasy earlier in the season. He was When he was healthy, he was a top five fantasy option. Um as far as running backs go, I'm not talking about overall players. I'm talking about fan- talking about running backs. Tyrell. Yeah, that's that's what you were trying to sell. Um, those all sent us five packages involving him. Yeah. Um. And uh, you got the so, you got the boogeyman in your house there. I see some lights flickering. Are you sure you're okay? It it it's uh it's my uh, Alexa ch- telling me to go to bed. Uh. So you're saying you're not getting kidnapped right now. Exactly. Oh, that would make for um, a good video. Dang it. <laughs> um, Donovan, so, gets ca- uh, Donovan gets kidnapped, not a prank. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We actually um, would have uploaded the video this time. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so – but I've, on the other side of the ball, you got Nick Boza in that re- defense uh, is really good over on that side of the ball, too. It'll be a really good game. Um, I think it's going to be more defensive uh, than we really think. Um, I think it's really going to come down to who can run the ball rather than who can pass the ball. And that is something that Dallas has struggled with recently. Mm-hmm. Even with their two good – because they're both not healthy. Ezekiel Elliott, every single year, he's gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. This year is, is a, a, another case of that. We've seen he's had quite a few weeks where he's had below 30, 40 yards rushing. Tony Pollard, I believe, is the better rusher. But even he, he's not enough to step up. I say he's the better rusher. I don't think necessarily is that outstanding of a take anymore. And even though he is the better rusher, I'm not saying he's a you know, top 20 running back in the league. It's if that offensive line can block for him, if Kellen Moore can, can scheme it up properly enough, you know what? They can definitely get the – Excuse me, the burps are finally coming up on the pizza I ate, oh, I don't know, three hours ago. Uh, if they can get the run game going, you know, they're at home. They'll definitely have that crowd behind them. You know, that's an outstanding place to, to play a football game. Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, how's he going to play? How's he going to play in the big moment? We've seen him, you know, they had the number one seed a few years ago, lost to Green Bay. Uh, they went on the road a few years ago also and took care of the, took care of the Rams. So, you know, We've seen both sides of the coin here, and you know, obviously, the team with De- with Dak with Dak Prescott and without Dak Prescott last year to this year, very different. I do like Dak Prescott. I do think he's a you know a, a quarterback that's probably like in the ten to thirteen range in terms of where he is in quarterbacks in the league. I'd say more leaning to thirteen. Um, but he's a good quarterback, and they can get the job done with that defense and that and that offense. Uh, San Francisco, they have to be able to establish the run, and they have to expect Jimmy G to have a pretty perfect game. I, I would not be surprised if San Francisco won. However, I am going to go Dallas to take the victory there on the 4:30 game on Sunday. Really fair. And the last the last game, I mean, do we have to talk about it? Pittsburgh going to Kansas City. I I, I don't even 
know what the betting line is. I would really love to see it in front of me. Dang, your Alexa really doesn't like you right now, bro. <laughs> she is trying to tell you to go to sleep. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, 8-15, probably the least eventful matchup. You know, if the tie had actually happened, the Raiders would have been playing Kansas City. And all, although the Raiders have got blown out multiple times by Kansas City uh, so far this season, it would be a lot more interesting of a match for you than Pittsburgh. As a Ravens fan, watching that Pittsburgh and Baltimore game on week 18, it was so bad. Both teams are so bad. Pittsburgh has a good defense, to be fair, and they have Najee Harris, but wow, Big Ben is terrible. That offensive line is terrible. They have gotten so, so lucky to be in the position they're at. I expect Kansas City to blow the snot out of them. Uh, I, 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 do you really have something to say about this? I do. So, the last two games... Be careful what you say. Some, Otherwise, you might someone, not be back on this podcast. <laughs> someone has said that we love Big Ben, but we're going to not let him go out the way that he wants to go out, and they have lost both games. If someone on Kansas City says that, I might be a betting man. Oh, please. I'll take your bet. <laughs> I'm ta- wait, wait, wait. I'm talking about money line. I'm not talking about – I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lose $20. I'll bet. I, I'll bet with you. I don't care. I'll put. I'll put twenty on Kansas City. <laughs> no, I, I. I. I got. I got. I, I got Kansas City. It's more of a joke yeah. than an actual bet. Okay. Yeah, and that would be a good. <laughs> that'd be a good. But it, it'd just be fun. It'd just be funny as hell if if someone were to say that for a third week in a row and they, uh, win again. Just saying. I. I. I highly, highly doubt that would happen. I do so, too, but it's just funny. So what that means is, you know, just for this for the second round of the playoffs, looking a little forward. Uh, I had just me personally, because screw you, screw your effects. Me personally, I had all division winners winning. So that means the the Cincinnati Bengals would go on to take your beloved Tennessee Titans in a that is a sexy matchup that if we get to that point, we'll talk about it. I kind of see the Bengals winning that one. However, we also then have the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Buffalo Bills, a rematch of last year's AFC championship game, of course, notably. And then the last game, you know, we got blessed with a Monday night playoff game, the first Monday night playoff game, as far as I'm aware. The Arizona yes, Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. I have my thoughts, but I'm gonna give you the floor first. What do you think is gonna happen? Oh man, um, you know what? Both teams started out really hot, both teams have been on de- decline since. Uh, hence the reason that they're four and five rather than one and two. Um, I got I got the Cardinals. I got the Cardinals taking this one. Um, I Kyler Murray, uh, D Hop is coming back. I think right. That I'm not too sure of because I, mean, I remember he was supposed to he was supposed to be coming back uh, for the playoffs, but I think that was maybe that was given the bye week. All I, I know is two weeks ago, this man was in crutches. He did not so. look like a man who was on the precipice of returning. Um, if if they D-Hop do have does not James play, Conner. I change my pick. They do have James I, Conner coming back. I, I, I don't care about that. They had Aaron Donald's going to stuff in the entire game. Um, Ooh, interesting take. It, it, if they have DeAndre Hopkins, 
that makes this all the more interesting because you have Jalen Ramsey on D-Hop the entire game rather than having him on A.J. Green. So, um, that, that, yeah, that obviously makes a huge difference. You have one of the best – you have the best receiver in NFL history be traded for a second-round pick uh, going out there. Against, and David you know, Johnson. And David oh, Johnson. Gosh, and David Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> David Johnson, who had got all of nothing on my fantasy bench all year. Um, yeah. D Hop obviously makes a huge difference to that team. Um, I do have way, Chase though, Edmonds back. Either way, I'm calling it. I think the I think the Cardinals are gonna take care of business. We've seen them the last two weeks. Uh, we know, I mean, yes, they lost, they lost on Sunday. And they didn't necessarily live like they didn't look the greatest. However, they knew they were in the playoffs. And, you know, at the time, I thought it was kind of unrealistic that they were going to miss the, or that they were going to even have a chance at that, at that, uh, at that uh, division spot. But the Rams did lose. So they had the opportunity to make the, make the division uh, theirs, but they did not. But I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I have to get us, I have to get a, a, an upset somewhere. And I think Kyler Murray is just absolutely magic. If they can get some pressure on, on Matt Stafford, which is easier said than done because the Rams have a really good offensive line. But if they can get some pressure Stafford on Matt Stafford. Stafford hasn't been doing good uh, well, as of recent. He's he been great. He's been great in the second half and the fourth quarters of games. And, you know, ultimately he's he's winning games. However, we've seen him very really sloppy with the ball. He leads the league with with alongside Joe Burrow for uh, for interceptions so far through this year, through this season. So if you can get some pressure on him, you know, it, we'll see what happens with Cam Akers because we know Cam Akers is expected to make his full return uh, as well as they still have Sony Michelle. Well, mm-hmm. Yep, I so, was about to say they still have Sony Michelle. So, and Sony, while Cam Akers is a way, way better pass catcher than Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle is there to be your, your uh, uh, kind of like, I guess, the dog pound if you really want to put it that yeah, way. Just yeah, kind of lost run Los Angeles people. Rams as a whole. They they probably have the best roster in football. If we're just looking top to top to bottom, however, we haven't seen them put it together. They made that one they won, made that one Super Bowl appearance. We all know. However, we've still yet to see them put everything together, even with the stars they've gotten. Of course, we know they got Von Miller and OBJ at the trade deadline this year, and I think it's going to be another year where they fall short. And I haven't fallen short in the first round. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to then move on, and then Arizona that would make a absolutely outstanding second round of the playoffs where you see Arizona going to Aaron Rod- or going to Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers the duel of the two quarterbacks there Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers that is absolutely sexy and then on the other side in the in the NFC you have the you have the the, the matchup of America's team versus America's quarterback you got the cow for for me at least you got the Cowboys taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So with the AFC and NFC, I am really okay with all those games going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, for you, because, you know, if, if the 49ers, (laughs) if the 49ers win, it's going to be the 49ers against Green Bay. And that's not really going to be a close game in particular, in my opinion, but most likely not. Good thing. It's my show. And I said that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win. Mm, you know, um, I, I still say it's going to be, I'm not completely hundred percent sold on my pick on that one. So, Oh yeah. And, um, and I can go, I could definitely go either way with that. And I didn't necessarily pick, like, I didn't even look at what the match would then be beyond that. After my picks, I was just looking at like, wow, 
that'd be an outstanding second round of the playoffs. Thank God I took off of work and I just put quote unquote event. I uh, hope you're not listening to this Mark Michelin or diamond. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I took off the Saturday. I took off both Saturdays. Cause you know, football hey, last year, event. last well, actually today, three days ago today was when I tested positive for COVID last year. So I just got, I got paid to sit at home and watch uh, two rounds of playoffs and the national championship last year. Uh, this year, as far as I'm aware, I mean, I did feel kind of weird the other day, uh, but as far as I'm aware, I don't have COVID. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't give me that look. Uh, as far as where I don't have COVID. So I'll be, I'll be uh, not getting paid to watch those games. And like I said, all mostly good games for the first round. Of course, you know, the Eagles and Buccaneers game, it, there's a possibility there's a blowout in, a, in the Steelers-Chiefs game, I fully expect. In this, yeah, the Steelers went to Kansas City a few weeks ago, and that game was after, I don't know, 10 minutes after the Steelers got on the got off the bus. So, I mean, hopefully it can be a little more entertaining. However, I'm not expecting a lot. And then those with, those, with my results, because like I said, screw you, my show, um, with those results, I would be an absolutely outstanding second round of the playoffs. So before we go today, I would like to touch us a little bit on the college football championship that we saw on Monday that I know you barely watched. Apparently, uh, Georgia. Finally... James Cook to Miami. Sorry. Had hey, to. I wouldn't I wouldn't I would not be against it. Um, <laughs> Georgia, Georgia finally, finally ends their 40 year drought of, of lack of a national championship. Our, our friend Jay, I'm sure, was just absolutely screaming and cursing his lungs out last night. As you know, it was a very, very nail-biter defensive game through the first half. Only field goals for both sides. Alabama led a half, 9-6. to six, And there wasn't a lot of momentum on either side, being that both teams were uh, just kicking field goals. It was just a matter of, okay, I don't want to be the one to screw up. And then, notably, of course, Alabama loses their potential first-round pick, top-10 pick, Jamison Williams, goes down. News comes out today that it is, in fact, a torn ACL. So you absolutely feel for the kid who's about to go make millions, and you know who knows how that affects his stock going into the draft, but we do know how much it affected that Alabama offense. The Alabama wide receivers, the young receivers they had in there, we also know John Mechie, was out for the game. So that's two receivers that could go in the first round. Maybe Mechie falls into the second, uh, but two top tier receivers goes down. So you're asking the freshmen, the sophomores to step up and yeah, they're five-star recruits, but they haven't been getting a lot of playing time this year. Bryce Young hasn't been able to throw to him a lot. Bryce Young, you know, he is the, the Heisman. He has had an outstanding season. However, not having the chemistry with those wide receivers, as, as well as their running back, Robinson, not having as good of a day as he had against Cincinnati, finishing 68 yards. Meanwhile, he had 70 yards in the first two drives uh, the last game against Cincinnati in the semifinal. So Georgia, with their, their absolutely monster boys up front, uh, they have multiple first-round picks on that defense. And, you know, they also have, of course, Dalvin, Co- Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook there. That could be a first- or second-round pick in the draft coming up. Uh, absolutely outstanding to see, you know, it's, it, it does get tiring seeing Alabama win it over and over and over again. And just a feel good story for Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett started his career, of course, at a junior college, had to work his way up, got a walk on opportunity with Georgia, and then immediately 
became the fourth string quarterback on that team after Georgia got multiple transfers in ahead of him. And even they mentioned a lot of times yesterday on the telecast that the fan base is really been split even through this part of the season, even when they got to the champ, the, 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 the first of the first games in the, in the playoff where they were in the semifinal, that there was a lot of divide in the fan base as to whether they should start JT Daniels or stick with Stetson Bennett and Stetson Bennett ultimately did get the starting job and prove, proved it right. They absolutely blew the snot out of Michigan uh, in the, in the semifinal game. And then he takes care of business yeah, finishing with 224 yards, two touchdowns, and just, you know, proving that, you know, if you set your mind to do something and you have the will and you have you have some sort of talent, you can go out there yeah, and the accomplish work, it. Work ethic, too. Work ethic. And he just never gave up. And, I mean, you could, you, you could just see it in his face. The ESPN did a great job at once they got that pick six, just keep the camera on him as much as possible because you could just see how much that moment meant to him. The tears I started coming down his face immediately. You know, you're in a sport with these these alpha men, alpha even just you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds. That you know, there's there's not a lot of emotion go around, but you see how he how he reacted to getting that national championship win. Absolutely feel for the kid. Absolutely feel great for him. And then gotta give a lot of respect to to Coach Nick Saban how he handled the the game afterwards best coach in college football history a shame how he handled the situation with with miami the miami dolphins of course so a lot of guys a lot of people down here and as as a, as a little finger that donovan just gave there even though we were too young to even really realize what was going on um we we saw him depart from miami after saying he's not going to leave and obviously what could have been however that doesn't take away the legacy he's had over with alabama and becoming one becoming one of if not the best coach of all time. So I got to give a lot of respect to how he handled that after the game, the, the praise he gave to Kirby smart, how he handled the, you know, just the handshake afterwards, something as simple as that, you know, giving him the compliments, you know, and he is a disciple of Nick Saban and it's taken Kirby smart a long time to finally beat Nick Saban going zero and five previously against them. And of course, losing that sec championship game, really demoralizing for this Georgia team. And they were able to come back. They were able to come back and actually take care of business against Michigan. Uh, notably, uh, how Kirby Smart handled that victory. You saw some players coming over with the Gatorade bath to give them after the game ended. And he said, no, 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 this is this is not it. This is not our final. We got something else to do. And he, he sure up told them, no, do not do that. And, you know, they, they obliged, of course. You're, you're not going to say no to your head coach. And they went and took care of business. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. They did beat a beat-up Alabama team. Um, but you know, they, they, they made Bryce young throw, have his first multi-interception game as a college football player, he finished the game 369 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, losing his two star receivers, which is ultimately too much for the Heisman trophy winner and for the sec champions of Alabama. So we finally saw Georgia take the throne of Alabama. Just absolutely beautiful to say, Donovan, do you have any comments to make on the game? Uh, I did see that. Uh, they threw the ball 57 times, Alabama did, uh, with Bryce Young. And, I mean, they put all the faith in the world in him. Um, I did notice how on that last drive, especially that last pick six, uh, on that particular uh, set of downs, you call Bill O'Brien, famous Bill O'Brien, called uh, rather than calling, you know, posts or slants or whatever, he kept calling verticals. 
he basically just played like we did when we would play Madden. Pretty much. And it, it's just that that kind of made me question uh, that a little bit, that, that particular set of play calling. I wasn't the only one who questioned it. Um, what you're but, saying that 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 sometimes he does some questionable things. When has he ever done anything questionable? He's made right decisions every single time. I don't he's made know. A maybe maybe trade away your entire future for a left tackle. Yeah, and you know, hey, at least he got a second round pick in David Johnson. Hey, you know, <laughs> absolutely. They gave absolutely. <laughs> they gave way too much. I'm surprised he even got an offensive coordinator job. To be quite honest. That, that I expect this is where I expected him to go, and you know, of course he is where he is. Um, they were looking desperate there at the end, and you know I I, I do kind of understand because you know you lose your top two receivers, and clearly things weren't clicking. The only touchdown they got was off of a uh, off of a uh, Stetson Bennett fumble that you know it, it was a question mark whether it was a fumble in the first place or not, but that was the only time they got into the end zone. So nothing, absolutely nothing was working out for that Alabama's offense. Defense did a good job keeping them in the game for most of the game. However, uh, Georgia took the lead, and then that pick six all but sealed the game. Emotionally on the sideline, it sealed the game. You saw the high fives, the hugs, the, the tears. Uh, you, you saw, and man, just seeing Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart's reaction when the game was finally over. You know, winning, winning a national title is always a big deal. Uh, winning it for the first time your, for your for your team in 41 years, but also winning it for your alma mater. I mean, uh, something that you dream of as a kid type thing. And, you know, so there's a lot of respect for for Georgia. Uh, of course, a lot of respect for Alabama. And, you know, put together a really good game. Uh, that I was, at least for me, and I know Jay, uh, very thankful. And I kind of know for you, no, very thankful that uh, Georgia won that game. I'm so, very thankful. So, you know, screw Nick Saban. Yes. But um, I don't. I don't necessarily. Although share I, that. I, I'm, I'm very uh, happy with the way he handled everything afterwards. Like you said, the conversation with Kirby Smart. But how about the conversation that he had at the press conference? Before he stopped Bryce Young and that other player. I, I'm Will sorry, Anderson. Will Anderson, um, from getting up, and he said, "Listen, these two young men. Meanwhile, they they contributed a little bit to the loss. They also contributed to." heavily to getting this team here to where they're at and they handled everything with professionalism and maturity. And I want to thank them for that. And I thought that was, I, the last few years, Nick Saban has been like, like not an asshole. And, you know, like he's kind of, he was kind of known to be that kind of guy in college for a little while. You know what I mean? Well, but as of as of recent, you that side of him, like you haven't really seen that side of him, is what I'm talking about. Well, we we with the with the increase of social media, I think it's become more present because he does have that reputation. However, I think it's very calculated, and I think it works. You see him absolutely berate his players while meanwhile they're up fifty to three against you know I don't know name your against FAMU. You know, they're, they're yeah. 50 to three and their, their left tackle got a false start penalty and he goes absolutely bonkers. Meanwhile, they, they have a, like, a, like a game like that. They lost the national championship game 
And he was about as smiles and sympathetic as you could ever imagine. And he, that's the absolutely right thing he did. He, the, you know, the, the kids were about to walk away. They were dismissed. And he said, you know what? No. His exact quote is, this game does not define them. This loss does not define them. The way they've handled themselves all year, the leadership, the on and off the field, what they've brought to that program is huge. And he wanted them to have their recognition. And again, not taking anything away from Kirby Smart and Georgia when they won the game, you know, as much as Dolphins fans love to hate him, Nick Saban, you know, you got to respect him. I definitely enjoy him more than I enjoy Bill Belichick. Belichick has definitely got just to be a, a grumpy old man at this point. Whereas Nick Saban, oh, he's kind of funny sometimes though. He's, but he's funny on accident. He's funny because how grumpy he is. He's not funny because he's making a joke. Meanwhile, Nick Saban, like, you know, you can see he has a heart at the very least. You can see the good side of him sometimes. Yeah, that is true. You got a, you got a point there. Yes. Okay. Uh, this has been, I'm, I'm looking at the time now. This has been quite a long episode. Like I said, I tried recording this. We, we, this is our third attempt at trying to record this. And, you know, the audio, I have no idea how it sounds. Donovan told me it sounds pretty good. However, I tried recording it yesterday. My laptop didn't want to work. Again, today doesn't want to work. And honestly, kind of a blessing because I was trying to record it on campus at FAU. I went into the library first. I didn't really necessarily explain these details to you, Donovan. So I go, I go in the library and they have the library broken off into sections. It's actually pretty well done. Uh, the first floor is kind of just like a, you know, a, a, your, your standard area. You know, you got your you got computers, uh, mostly computers. You have some books, like no one really does, uses books, if we're being honest. But then other floors are layered into like quiet zones and like there's a difference between quiet zones and silent zones and like group areas. So basically like you, there's positions for where you want to be. If you want, if you need to talk with some people, get some work done, you go here. If you want silence, you go here. <laughs> there's there's not really a designated area where everyone is quiet and you're the only one that's allowed to talk they don't really necessarily make that specification you're, you they have study rooms where you can just like get like a eight by eight room to yourself and i was i wanted to do that but they didn't they only have they have a very few amount that you can go for just by yourself so i decided i was like you know what this isn't going to work i walk out i'm outside it's it's raining it's windy and I, I find a spot that was good enough. Um, but even when my mic would, oops, when my mic would slightly work, like I could hear the wind. So that probably wouldn't have worked out too well. So I'm, a, I'm surprised you didn't try to find like, um, like, like where you go to uh, commentate on like games. Well, that's the stuff, stadium, but... sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can still go to the stadium. I don't so. have, okay. I'm a student. I don't have access. I you think I, I just I have a keychain you... around my belt of like, oh yeah, let me just help myself to the sixth floor of the FAU stadium. Yeah, no, they don't trust me. I I haven't even got a paycheck yet for the job that I'm gonna be doing. Oh, uh, shameless plug. Um, if there's happens to be any of my FAU students that I am, I'm now gonna be bossing around. I mean, uh, helping to progress their their career as a as a commentator. I know I've talked to, you know, if any of you guys are listening, I, I talked to you guys, gave you guys a little shameless plug of the show. So hopefully you're listening. Um, but anybody listening to this, you know, I brought Donovan on for, I think three or four episodes. Now I brought Adam on, I brought uh, Andrew on FAU and, you know, friends alike. I, I love bringing people on. I love having conversations, definitely a lot more fun and a lot easier to do with someone to bounce off of. Uh, so 
specifically with FAU, anybody interested in getting into sports commentating, I'm going to, I'm going to be speaking at a open house Friday. Um, I fancy. don't have, uh, what's that? Said fancy. Yes. I, I look at me <laughs> speaking at an open house. Uh, I know. Look but, at but I'm, I'm, I've been really blessed. I, you know, six months ago i was doing nothing i was watching sports of course however i was doing nothing like this next thing you know i commentated a few football games commentated a basketball game was on a radio show all last semester and now here i am i'm on spotify look at me um so if anybody would like to you know follow follow my dreams follow with me and, and you know pursue your own dreams uh this there's definitely an avenue i have a lot of ideas of how we could you know, grow the FAU radio department as a whole. Uh, I don't know the exact details of the 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 open house. I've, it's somewhere near the dining hall. I was I went. That, funny enough, I was sitting in that very same open house six months ago, listening to people speak. I didn't really care. I just wanted to talk to Jacob Brown uh, to try to figure out what I had to do, and I eventually found out what to do. So anybody interested having their own show, being able to commentate, coming on my show are more than welcome to replace this absolutely lovely individual here on my other side. <laughs> on the other wow. side. Wow. Got to replace? I'm, re- <laughs> no, I'm, you, I'm irreplaceable. I no, interrupt you are, way too much to be replaceable. You are you are my most brought on guest. Um, but strictly from an FAU perspective, I would love to build the FAU community as a whole, build that department as I now uh, have taken charge of the sports radio department. So anybody interested in that, please hit me up. I know of our, I already have like 10 of your numbers now, but I was talking to you actually earlier today. Um, but Donovan, I had a great time doing this with you, even though it is 1.40 at night. Uh, I had a great time. Yeah, with you. and we're about to hop on COD. So, you know, I, I actually, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> Dude, I played basketball twice today. I'm exhausted. I'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk afterwards. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> but yes, thank you for coming on, sir. And, and thank you all. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, I hope you guys all have a great time watching the playoffs coming up. We're going to have a great time doing that. And you know, let's all just cross our fingers that the Dolphins get this coaching higher right and hopefully can move forward in the offseason, have a productive offseason, whether it be move off of Tua, whether we decide to build around Tua, cross our fingers hope everything goes right and hopefully can come forward next year in a better place than we are now but thank you all very much for listening i hope you always have a great rest of your day take care everybody